Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the World Soccer Talk podcast. In this episode, we have some news to share in regards to the UEFA Champions League, uh, Women's Euro 2022, uh, CONCACAF uh, W Championship, and much more. So, my name is Christopher Harris. I'm joined by my co-host, Kartik Krishnayar. If you're new to this podcast, uh, every week we go through and discuss the the soccer media business. So when we say soccer media, that ranges from everything from television coverage, uh, streaming coverage, um, the actual games themselves, uh, who has the rights to which competition, etc. So a deep dive into that, as well as who our favorite commentators are uh, and presenters, etc. Really kind of watching the beautiful game and uh, finding out how to do that. And then in the near future, we're going to have some exciting news about um, some more podcasts coming uh, to this podcast stream. Uh, in in addition to uh, some increased uh, number of episodes uh, coming up to the new seasons. So, Kartik, the, there is a lot to get to. I know last week's podcast we talked about, it was only, I think, the day, the day after the first day of the uh, Women's Euro 2022 um, broadcast on ESPN. And... I think we were a little bit split on that in terms of what the level of coverage was like for the first day. Uh, I wasn't too hard on it. Um, I want to get your take on it in terms of now, now a week later, your thoughts about the, the Women's Euro 2022 competition in general, but also about the coverage that you've seen thus far. Yeah, I, I think uh, the coverage has been... Uh, I mean, if the baseline is Fox... Uh, and, and the way Fox covers these events, okay, the coverage has been has been pretty good. But I think that there's been some some issues in the studio in terms of energy, in terms of uh, wraparound analysis. I do think uh, yesterday was it the day before? Uh, Kay Murray was really good and got kind of more out of the, the studio analyst than uh, they had been getting er, uh, earlier in the uh, tournament. Uh, Seb Salazar and Kay uh, Murray both very good as hosts. Uh, but then I think you have a rotation of studio pundits uh, outside of Julie Foudy, who tend to not be that comfortable, maybe not that media trained. Obviously, in the case of Steffi Jones, uh, English is not her first language. And um, it's been a little bit cumbersome. And I have to say, I don't blame ESPN or Emma Hayes, Steffi Jones, any uh, as much uh, for this, as I do the tournament itself, this is a reminder that in the women's game, while now in the men's game, we're seeing incredibly competitive uh, uh, football, particularly in Europe, right? In Europe, it seems like anyone can beat anyone else outside of the minnows uh, on a given day. But in the women's game, there is still a huge gap uh, between the good sides and the uh, and the second tier sides, between the, the, the elite sides and the second tier sides. Uh, the most entertaining matches in the tournament in terms of just competition seem to have been the matches involving Iceland. And uh, so when you have uh, a tournament where you're dealing with 8-0 uh, blowouts and, and, and matches that are 4-0 but aren't even as competitive as the scoreline indicates, it's a little bit tough, I have to admit. Yeah, I think in some ways, though, Kartik, I, th- I think if we use Fox as a baseline, yeah, you mean the coverage is always going to look good, no matter what broadcaster it is. So, so I think in many ways we have to raise that bar and say, you mean what? What is the the benchmark? What is it? CBS Sports? Uh, is it NBC Sports? You mean is it BN Sports? Whoever it may be, but um, to compare it against Fox. Most coverage is always going to look good in terms of uh, how in-depth they are. And I would say from ESPN's coverage of the Women's Euro 2022 competition thus far, it's not been bad. But I think that the energy levels are so flat in the studio 
when it's uh, Steffi Jones and Emma Hayes. Uh, Emma Hayes, kind of a East London accent, very slow and methodical. The way she speaks, it's very. She's definitely thinking kind of clearly about her words, but very slow. And then you have Steffi, who again English is not her first language, uh, and she's probably not able to really communicate as much. You mean what? What she's thinking? She's kind of translating, you mean in a mind perhaps from German to English, and but even Steffi Jones, the energy level is not there. So the two of them are very flat in terms of that. So uh, yes, if you listen to the analysis, it's pretty decent. Uh, Kay's doing a great job at, as as the host and presenter there, but I just think I mean it's it's a slow burn. It's 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 not something where I'm like really excited to tune in to hear what the analysis is. Yeah, the, the games themselves. I mean, I think that's the challenge with women's football in general on the international level, and you you can include um, the Concacaf W Championship in this. You can include the Women's World Cup in this too. Is that a lot of the games are one sided? A lot of the games are, you mean USA? You mean the power against a smaller team, uh, or you mean if it's England against uh, some of these you mean, minnow, well not minnows, but uh, some of these uh, countries that don't have as established a, of a, a women's national team? I think it's it. Yeah, that that's that's an, that's the, un- the unfortunate part of it. The CONCACAF W Championship, I think for me personally, I haven't watched as much as I would like on this one, partly because there's no there's no crowds. There's empty stadiums. They're playing in front of a stadium of, you mean, uh, with a capacity of, I don't know, 60 to 80,000, and, and there's nobody in there. So the energy levels are really low, um, and the competition hasn't really kind of won me over the, uh, there either. So, yeah, it's been, I mean, so I will continue to watch the games and, and, and try to pick and choose the best ones um, and go in with an open mind. But so far, I don't know about you, Kartik, but I'm, I'm really looking forward to uh, like two or three weeks from now when, when some of these seasons start back up again. We're recording this on Friday, the um, the, 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 the Bundesliga 2, the, the second division in uh, Germany kicks off today. In about, uh, what, about a week from now, I think it is, uh, we've got the English Football League starting again. Uh, in about three weeks from now, we've got the Premier League starting again, and, and so on and so forth. Um, I'm really looking forward to those competitions coming back, and, uh, and and I will continue watching these women's games for sure. Yeah, we have a we have a train strike that might disrupt the opening of the uh, football league, though. Uh, in terms of uh, the matches will go on, but I don't know that you'll have the atmospheres. Your your side, Swansea, away to Rotherham. I don't think many Swansea fans are going to get from South Wales to Yorkshire, unfortunately, on the opening match day because of the the, the looming train strike. So what about CBS's coverage of soccer and any – have you seen any kind of cross-promotion or – I mean, because CBS has a ton of – you know, we mentioned the CONCACAF W Championship. Of course, there's NWSL, et cetera. But have you seen much cross-promotion from what you've seen in terms of watching CBS Sports a lot this uh, past week? Yeah, this is a, a little bit uh, concerning because right now as we record this, uh, the Open Championship is going on on NBC. Last week, the Scottish Open was split between NBC. BC networks. Uh, it's complicated, but they have the. Uh, they, it was their turn in the in, with the. Uh, it was CBS Sports' turn in the PGA Tour rotation. NBC has the uh, European Tour rights. So, um, but on CBS, the CBS coverage, they were promoting multiple soccer platforms. In fact, I mean, Jim Nance had to read a promo for the CONCACAF W Championship, which was the next night between the USA and Mexico, uh, multiple times on Saturday and Sunday of the Scottish Open. And then they had um, promotions, uh, 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 pre-roll promotions of Serie A, uh, NWSL, and uh, uh, something, uh, UEFA Champions League as well. Um, So far on the Open coverage on NBC, on USA Network, Peacock, uh, on the NBC channels, I've seen no promotion of the Premier League. Now, in fairness, they haven't promoted anything other than golf on their coverage, and it's been kind of dominated to this point by uh, uh, what is a probable farewell uh, from the sporting world to Tiger Woods. So they haven't done it. I'll be curious to see this weekend if they're aggressive with the Premier League season starting in three weeks, uh, this being a logical cross-promotion tool, and a, and a tool in the past, they've used the Open Championship, uh, uh, 
because you know it attracts and it's in the UK, it attracts a similar audience to the Premier League. They've used it for cross promotion to promote the beginning of the Premier League season in the past. I have not seen it yet as of uh, uh, early afternoon UK time uh, on Friday, the second day of the tournament. So um, we'll keep an eye on that. But CBS uh, is invested in soccer. I think that's something, because we always hear about this, Chris, from people who say ESPN doesn't promote soccer enough or they don't promote MLS enough. We're seeing CBS uh, really push soccer promotion into other programming. Again, like I said, Jim Nance never called soccer, no relationship with the sport. Um, even sounded a little uncomfortable on Saturday reading because it was clear he was reading the script, but forcing those reads in uh, mainstream sports coverage, I think, is really important for growing the sport in this country. Yeah, absolutely. I think CBS Sports absolutely is all in on soccer. I mean, just a couple of more examples to the CONCACAF W Championship uh, competition. The games haven't been that great, but the coverage has been. They've had a uh, they had the full studio on site in Mexico with Poppy Miller as the host, um, just doing a really, really good job. Uh, a lot of uh, resources, a lot of, a lot of uh, investment in trying to grow the game of soccer. And really, I think CONCACAF should be really impressed by what CBS Sports is doing for them. Um, speaking of Poppy Miller, too, uh, she's currently leading, I think, the uh, the best TV presenter in the voting at WorldSoccerTalk.com in the uh, the World Soccer Talk Awards. Now, it's a long way to go. It's only the middle of uh, July. The, the voting ends at the end of July. But in addition to uh, Poppy as best pr- uh, TV presenter, uh, there's so many categories to choose from. So if, if you haven't voted yet, Go over to worldsoccertalk.com and you'll see on the homepage, you'll see the, the link to go ahead and vote, vote for the best commentators, TV coverage, podcast, podcast presenters, YouTube channels, etc. Uh, we've gotten thousands and thousands of votes so far and it's still a couple of weeks to go. But but yeah, CBS Sports is doing a really, really good job uh, of their coverage. Um now, the segue, speaking of CBS Sports, the current rights holder to the UEFA Champions League is CBS Sports. Uh, they have one more season under their contract, uh, which is the uh, the upcoming season. And then after that, it's up for bid. And actually, Kartik, we've got some news in regards to um, th- this story. We talked about it last week. We talked about it uh, before anyone else did in terms of we knew that uh, relevant sports was pushing the Champions League and planning on getting massive numbers in the revenue department for the next right cycle. Um, however, or well, actually, uh, henceforth, we got some more information uh, this past week from from Bloomberg, uh, which which you can share. Yeah, and, and uh, actually, CBS has two more years on their contract. But as we've seen previously with Turner and with Fox. Uh, sometimes you go into that last year as a lame duck. Uh, or Turner didn't go into a last year as a lame duck. They would have been a lame duck, right? That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, that, well, actually, actually, that's, that's a good point, Carter. You, you're right. It's two years, which makes it even worse, right? Because because CBS got the rights uh, from Turner and picked those rights up. It seems it seems that CBS has had these rights for a long time, uh, but it's two years, so they could find out this fall or this even late summer that they don't have the rights for for um, the Champions League after those final two years. Yeah, and so um, Relevant Sports, uh, which is uh, owned by Stephen Ross now, is effectively the broker for UEFA rights, uh, UEFA uh, club competition rights in the United States. And they expect the uh, packages uh, per Bloomberg, uh, which would be both the Spanish language package and the English language package, the top two billion dollars in the U.S. for the next cycle. Keep in mind, we have, and I think we got into it last week, Chris, this kind of Super League light um, format that starts with this new television deal. So because of that, I think UEFA and Relevant are expecting more money, more interest in the package. Um, I, because I'm dubious of the whole Super League and and top-heavy, top-club-heavy type format, we're going to I, I wonder about that, but it will it will be a good test because certainly it is a different package and a different product than the current UEFA Champions League. And CBS Sports and Univision are the incumbents, but um, maybe that has no uh, bearing on negotiations when you're talking about a, a broker, a third party handling the U.S. side of it. 
Yeah, the key to this too is it's going to be a six-year deal, which is which is exactly what these uh, American broadcasters want, rather than the three-year deal that Turner Sports had before, and then they found out. Uh, going into the last season, they didn't have the rights any longer f- for beyond that. Um, possibly it could be CBS Sports finding out uh, later th- later this year uh, that they don't have the rights after their current contract ends in a couple of years. So, so that's key. The broadcasters, so whether it's Apple TV, whether it's uh, Amazon, whether it's uh, NBC Sports, you name it, uh, they are going to be really interested in that six-year deal with expectations that the, the rights will be above $2 billion. Now, the deadline, the actual bidding uh, has started, uh, or actually conversations have started this week, but the uh, the deadline for bidding is August 15th, which is, <laughs> that's fast. Uh, so, so I think in terms of timing, UEFA, and well, the Champions League and relevant sports, I think it's the perfect timing in terms of going to market with this six-year deal and talking about what the Champions League provides, which is that Super League uh, format, really. It's a Super League of the best teams uh, in the world playing on, on a regular basis. Sure, the way that they set it up and play the games and schedule it out is a bit funky, but I'm sure we'll get used to that after a while. Even if we don't, we're not, we're not too happy with the way that they have it set up in terms of sporting merit, but this is a big deal. Um, they've so uh, UEFA has well, relevant sports and, and UEFA have met with all the the top uh, soccer broadcasters in the United States, which includes NBC Sports. I, I really doubt that NBC Sports would go for this. I'm sure they would be would like to be included in the conversation, but for them. You mean how much? <laughs> Two billion for 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 this on top of what they're already paying for the the Premier League. Um, that seems like just you mean too much to handle in terms of uh, how much money they have to spend. We have to remember too, Kartik, is that the UEFA Champions League is not a great money making uh, product uh, or, or league or competition for broadcasters. When you watch. The UEFA Champions League, you see the the Pepsi commercials, you see the same commercials right uh, before the game starts at halftime. Any time there's a commercial break, it's the same broadcasters. So the amount of um, advertising that, say, CBS Sports can sell is limited because those ads for Pepsi and and whoever the the broadcasters are, um, that's the deal that they have with UEFA. And that's the deal. Yeah. No, I was going to say, back in the day with Fox, um, I, I know there were people at Fox telling me that uh, the deal wasn't worth it because of that, right? They had to run Heineken, Pepsi, and, and somebody else, right? There were, I think, three, uh, it may have been uh, Sony, right? Bravia TV or something. They had to run those ads, yep. which meant they could only sell a certain number of ads. Same thing um, uh, on, on, on the Spanish language side. Um I don't know if UEFA, with this new format, has a way of offsetting that, giving rights holders maybe more commercial space. Uh, but I, that is something uh, at least, and, and I'm, I'm going back some time, 10 years or so ago when I had these conversations with Fox. But um, it, it cut into their margins at the time to the point where I wasn't really surprised when they lost the rights to Turner because I, I had heard from inside there that this was an issue with, with uh of the ads and, and the fact that you have to give UEFA sponsors preference uh, in those ad breaks. Yeah, and I think it's the same thing too. I, I've, I've had uh, conversations with NBC Sports and, and they were saying, that this is going back again probably about 10 years ago too, but at the same time, they were saying too at the time, it's just that uh, it'd be very difficult to turn the Champions League into a money-making operation just because of how much uh, ads that they had to show that they weren't getting paid for. Um, so, so that's the thing, though. Too, I mean, if Apple TV, as one example, or Amazon said, "Yeah, we're we're going to go go all in uh, and show these games," it's 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 a it's a game changer. Whoever gets it, it's a game changer. Um, but CBS Sports um, faces some major competition, and the expectations from relevant sports uh, are that these rights fees will go for a astronomical number uh, compared to. Uh, the previous ag- agreements, which will, the expectations are, it'll go for more than double um, what UEFA is currently getting. 
Now, Kartik, let's move on to listener mailbag. Uh, Paramount Plus is a topic that Steve wants to talk about. He says, I love the podcast. I see on social media that a lot of people are complaining about the U.S. women's national team games being shown on Paramount Plus. Many of the complaints are of the nature of the games should be where everyone can see them and only rich people can afford to pay for streaming. Either these folks are somehow getting cable and therefore ESPN, FS1, etc. for free, or I'm missing something. Please enlighten me. Are folks just used to paying at least $50 a month for cable uh, and they don't, uh, that, that they don't even consider this an expense anymore? So, so I think uh, there's definitely some theories on this one, Kartik. Uh, do, do you have any thoughts on this one? Yeah, I, I'm not really sure... Um how this is going to shake out over over time because i uh i do think there's a shift towards streaming and there's more accessibility with streaming but there are a lot of fans of sports and less so uh soccer than other sports um that are entirely um into the idea the concept of watching things on linear television and it's it's not on a linear broadcast channel it's not um one, it's not as accessible to them, and two, to them, in their mind, it diminishes the importance of an event if it's on streaming, which is a, a bit of an old-school view, but I think that might be what we're getting as much as uh, uh, socioeconomic factors, etc., as, uh, as Steve refers to. Yeah, we have to remember that Paramount Plus is, is 5 bucks a month on, on the cheapest plan, so... Uh, and you look at how many games you get, you look at how many shows and movies you get. It's it's really, really uh, even great value, for, uh, return for the money. I, th- I think in many ways, I think a lot of people, too, are so used to paying the cable bill. Like Steve mentioned, maybe it's 50 bucks a month if you're lucky. You've you got to be really lucky to get 50 bucks a month for cable. But maybe it's 100 Maybe it's $150 a month. It's almost like a utility. So anything above and beyond that... Uh, where they have to pay five bucks a month seems seems like why am I having to pay for this? Although I think I think also just just to throw in that context, a lot of people kind of forget that you mean that you mean ESPN, FS1, etc. It, it they're a paywall essentially, right? It, it's you mean you have to pay for that, and you get a whole bunch of channels that you don't even want. Yeah, those are additional tiers, right? Those are additional cable tiers. So uh, just to update while we've been on the air the last however many minutes 20 minutes or so i got a uh, a notification on my phone that peacock uh has taken my uh payment for the year and the payment for the year is cheaper than a monthly cable bill. so i'm not the biggest fan of peacock we've had that conversation on this uh this podcast but it's still the price point i think is still pretty low yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, in terms of the number of games you get, and then in terms of, especially you, Kartik, and myself included, how many games a season do we watch on Peacock? I mean, there's oftentimes, I mean, with Goal Rush, we've got, uh, we're watching like, what, four or five games at once, and then yeah. maybe there's another game on Peacock. Anyway, so there's just a ton of games. Uh, moving on, ESPN is a topic of uh, conversation for JP, and this goes back to last week's comments about uh, ESPN's coverage of soccer in general and how, it, how it's so much better than uh, other broadcasters. JP says, I cannot stand the ESPN treatment. Whether it's football, basketball, hockey, or even soccer, their coverage is usually much worse than the competition. ESPN by far uh, in last place among CBS, Fox, and NBC in their, in their NFL production. TNT blows them away in both NBA and NHL. When I watch events on ESPN properties, it's out out of necessity, not choice. I don't get all the love for their soccer coverage. Some La Liga games were unwatchable because they force uh, Alejandro Moreno on us. If it were Fox who had the women's Euro rights and decided not to send any commentators to the UK and instead call all the matches from the studio... There's no doubt you guys would be killing them for not taking it seriously enough and or being cheap and lazy. That's a good point, though, Karthik. So, like, Ian Dark, what do you think? Is he uh, in a studio in uh, Bristol, Connecticut, or is he uh, in the UK calling these games? Well, I think he's in a studio because uh, he's shown up on ESPN FC in a studio. Oh, I mean, I guess in theory he could be at the games because that's not during... The games, but I think he's in the studio. 
Yeah, it, it's hard to tell. It's harder to tell these days, right? So you got Julie Foudy, which we know is definitely stateside. Ian might be in a studio in London. You mean and kind of connected you know uh, I think he to is. Julie? I think he is because when he's been on ESPN FC recently, I think it's it says in the background ABC News London or something something like that. Obviously, ABC ESPN same company owned by Disney, uh, but I'm not positive. Maybe that was before the tournament, um, and maybe he came to Bristol for the tournament. But yeah, I can't tell. So they, they, they seem to be, this is a point I want to make. Uh, I don't like calls from the studio, and we've seen some, some mistakes on ESPN broadcasts, uh, FA Cups uh, sort, of, uh, sort of thing, because uh, the broadcasters have been in the studio and not at, the, uh, at the, the match site. But I think with ESPN, they do a better job of um, making it, uh, not making it as obvious as Fox does. Yeah, and going back to JP's comments too, that ESPN may not be as good as some of the other broadcasters for the other sports, but there's no way you can say that Fox is better than ESPN for, for its soccer coverage. Uh, I don't watch NBA, I don't watch NHL, so maybe um, ESPN's coverage, or NFL, for example, ESPN's coverage maybe is not as good as as, as Fox in NFL, but that that's a different podcast. <laughs> it's, it's not a soccer one. Yeah, right, yeah. And, and look, truthfully, I don't watch many other sports, and the only other sport I watch really closely, other than soccer, is golf. And ESPN is out of that, other than getting ESPN Plus feeds, which are produced by the PGA Tour. So I don't know, but in in uh, in this sport, there's no question. There's at least more in terms of resources and uh, talent that's applied to whether you like the talent or not. The point about Alejandro and Moreno may be uh, fair for some people. Maybe maybe some people don't like him. Um, but there's more of an effort, I think, uh, both on the production side and on the talent side by ESPN than anyone other than, at this point, you could argue CBS. CBS has really come through, and they're challenging ESPN for that top spot uh, in terms of production and talent. Again, uh, it's personal preferences. Uh, maybe people like the Fox style better. Maybe people like the NBC style better. Uh, but there seems to be more of an emphasis on the sport at ESPN and at CBS currently. Kartik, I, I think we have have to take a pause here and just actually just realize in terms of CBS Sports, I think they're the, they're the, they are the number one now. Because you look, you look at in terms of the amount of soccer coverage that they have, right? So you've got UEFA Champions League, you've got Serie A, you've got NWSL, you've got um, the CONCACAF competitions, both on the men's side and the women's side. And you look at the investment that they've made. Um, so whether it's Serie A, sending the crews to Italy, having studios, uh, pitch side um, uh, studios, etc., or you look at the CONCACAF tournaments, having on-site studios, uh, either pitch side or in the stadium. You look at NWSL and how great they've done on the production of that. And you look at the UEFA Champions League. I, I, th- I think we have to, I mean, to me personally, I think we have to say, hey, let's take a pause here and say, I think CBS is number one here. And, and, and this, this, is, this is a big deal, right? Because NBC Sports was for the longest time, uh, you mean kind of raised the bar so high that nobody could really hit it. ESPN is, you mean have lost a lot of rights um, and have a lot of, you mean so Bundesliga, it's all the world feeds for the most part. Uh, ESPN, uh, they've got their own broadcasters calling the games, but I don't think we're getting anywhere the level of um, coverage that we're getting with CBS Sports across all of these different leagues and competitions. You mean, do you agree, Kartik? Yeah, I think it's a little it's a little bit there's a, a difference in, in approach. So CBS very much tailors each property they have to maybe the audience that their market research says watches that property. So Serie A coverage is very different than Champions League coverage, which is very different than NWSL coverage, which is very different than CONCACAF coverage. Uh, ESPN tends to give, as JP said earlier, the ESPN treatment to everything. So everything has sort of a, I don't want to call it a cookie cutter. I think NBC is the cookie cutter network where they have one formula and it's, it's it, and they just apply that. Um, but it's, they have a, a specific soccer formula that they apply to everything. This having been said, I still have to go back to the ESPN FC show, which I understand is no longer on cable. You have to have ESPN plus or Hulu to get it. Um, but that show gives you the sort of um, 
all-around look at the world of soccer that you still don't get on CBS, when any specific CBS program. Yeah. So I think it's different. Yeah, maybe CBS is ahead now, but I think that they have two very different approaches from a corporate level to the sport. But both both are very successful and both have pulled away from NBC and Fox. Um, and we'll see what Turner does now, now that they're back in the soccer game. Next up is uh, on the topic of Amazon, Mercator. Mercator says, Amazon getting a portion of the UEFA Champions League rights in the UK is great. It will be a huge hit. Many people have Amazon Prime, so it's quite easy to watch the matches in comparison to paying an arm and a leg to watch uh, BT Sports or Sky Sports. The Amazon Premier League matches over Christmas were a huge hit among my friends because most of them don't have Sky or BT. So the Amazon games were the few that they could watch easily without pirating. We are lucky, very lucky, to have uh, CBS presenting the UEFA Champions League here. They have done a great job and really made the games easily accessible and cheap to watch. Ian says, I listen to the podcast from the UK every episode. I wondered if you had any thoughts on Amazon's acquisition of of, uh, Tuesday top pick matches for the new UEFA Champions League format from 2024 to 2027. Reportedly, this will be 17 matches per season, similar to the amount of Premier League UK matches on TV they show. BT Sports have increased the lion's share uh, they hold of the other European competition matches, and the BBC will provide a um, free-to-air UEFA Champions League highlights show through a midweek match of the day. Basically, do you think Amazon may move to gather total rights to any football uh, competition in the near future in the UK? And what moves may they make in the US? How is the relationship between free-to-air, pay TV, and streaming going to develop? Also, just one separate point. Does the US have anything like the UK Ofcom protected events list where certain sporting events have to be broadcast on free-to-air television. Many thanks. Thanks for all the great uh, content you provide through the podcast. Kartik, how have you tackle, tackle this one? Because this is probably more your wheelhouse. Yeah, so there's not, there are no um, requirements in the U.S. that certain sporting events have to be free-to-air, which is something that the uh, leagues have taken advantage of in tapping into cable and tapping into um, tapping into now streaming to, to, to get more money and sell more rights. The only properties that tend to be extensively free to air are the NFL and uh, and uh, weekend coverage of, of, of PGA Tour golf events. Everything else has a, a large cable element to it um, in in, uh, Amer- in the American sporting TV landscape. So it's not like uh, the requirements in the UK. There are requirements for free to air public affairs programs and uh, family programming and children's programming with no requirements from the FCC in terms of sports. Um, In terms of uh, the picks for matches for Amazon, um, I think this is fantastic. Uh, We talked a little bit about it last week. Uh, You're going to get more accessibility in the UK market, I believe, to the top uh, uh, matches on the continent or the top uh, European matches, not not matches from continental leagues, uh, unlike you've ever had before. And this... Um, put some a little bit of onus maybe on the Premier League because uh, you mentioned the 17 matches that they show on Amazon currently. Those are all on special events or, or midweek matches. Um, weekends, if you want, if you want to do something that's accessible, it's generally you have to watch match of the day, right? That's the way it's been for years, um, and so you don't see live matches in as accessible a format on a regular basis. So. I think this could be a game changer, uh, whether it means more streaming or it means maybe you have uh, the terrestrial channels, the linear channels come back in. Um, I do think it's very significant in terms of where the rights might start going in the UK. Martin from Colorado says, any chance that ESPN bumps up the amount of Bundesliga 2 coverage with with the probable MLS departure? I've heard uh, Casey Keller on a couple of uh, Bundesliga 2 games last season. And if MLS games are no more, wouldn't ESPN need to give their uh, talent other games or just let them go? So as we stand here in the middle of uh, July, still um, no deal has been done yet for next season um, for uh, ESPN with MLS, but it's likely that they will still uh, get a smaller package of MLS games. So that there will be opportunities for their talent, such as Casey Keller uh, and others, to, to, 
to commentate uh, games uh, for MLS, and Casey Keller does a lot of work too for Seattle Sounders. Um, as far as the Bundesliga 2, I, I don't think it's going to be much change. I, I don't think we're going to see a lot of emphasis, maybe, maybe better than last season, I would think, but it's still, in terms of viewing numbers, still a relatively like minor league in terms of uh, it's not going to pull in massive numbers, especially when you have uh, teams like Schalke uh, and some of the other big German clubs uh, getting promoted back to, uh, to, the, to the big Bundesliga. Next up is uh, World Cup 2030 and uh, some feedback here from Dermot uh, in regards to ESPN's uh, declared interest in getting the rights to 2030 uh, World Cup. Fox will no doubt say that they will be very interested, but is this merely a ploy to jack up the the rights fee that ESPN will have to pay uh, for 2030? And while you might be correct that by 2030 all sports will be streamed, will that be what FIFA is prepared to accept? FIFA currently wants the largest distribution possible. Do you believe that by 2030 there will be more streamers than the current homes uh, that that can receive free-to-air channels? So I I don't think it's going to surpass the number of uh, free-to-air channels in terms of streaming. Uh, It will surpass the number of cable subscribers, uh, and we'll probably, I'm sure, we'll, we'll have games like ESPN. We'll have games um, if they do acquire the rights on ABC, uh, and probably also on uh, ESPN Plus. If by 2030, if if that's the name of that product, I'm sure it will be. Uh, or maybe maybe it's just by that point, maybe it's just ESPN. They drop the plus, and the ESPN is a streaming product that you pay for um, direct to, to to consumer. But I but I could see Fox being interested in the rights just to jack up that, that, uh, that fee of what ESPN will have to pay. I think it's going to be interesting uh, to see the Spanish language rights because Univision has been taken over by uh, Televisa in the period since the last rights negotiations, and I think they're going to want to grab that back from Telemundo. Yeah, big time, big time, right? Because that, that's, I mean, that's their, I mean, in their eyes, Televisa, uh, Univision looks at that and says, like, hey, like, why does Telemundo have the rights? We're a much bigger organization. We're showing soccer daily. We've got thousands of games. And then Telemundo's coverage is basically, what, Chivas games. And then now and again, different friendlies or different matches. But there's not a lot of soccer content other than the World Cup. So, um, yeah, Univision will be all over that trying to get those rights for sure. Yeah. Uh, good point, Kartik. Chris Guardino says, uh, even though this isn't soccer-related, in the past few weeks there has been a big shift in the world of college football in which the big two L.A. schools, USC and UCLA, have uh, joined the Big Ten, putting the Pac-12 in serious trouble of dissolving it entirely as a conference. Basically, the Big Ten, along with the SEC, is quickly and dangerously becoming the college football version of the Super League. More importantly for our discussion is it has also increased interest from networks in the Big Ten football rights, including NBC, which hasn't had an interest in college football in decades, apart from Notre Dame. Uh, with this and uh, other possible shifts in college football in mind, how do you think this will affect network soccer coverage going forward? Kartik, any, any clues on this one? Because I have no idea. Yeah, I have been, I'll admit, <laughs> even though I pay attention to college sports, I've been... Uh, distracted by the combination of what's going on in golf with Liv uh, and uh, that whole drama, which is similar to the Super League, and uh, what's going on in soccer, transfer season. So uh, I I know about UCLA and USC uh, moving. I think it's ridiculous because now we're going from regional conferences to national conferences. I have interpreted, and again, I haven't paid as close attention to this as I have the previous conference realignments. Uh, And these are the only two that, to my knowledge, have moved so far. I've interpreted it as a Fox versus ESPN war, and that basically Fox is trying to pull uh, schools that they may have a relationship with or they think that they could uh, use in the uh, in the Big, Big Ten, uh, which remains uh, a Fox conference, into that conference. Even though the Big Ten does have a, a TV deal uh, in basketball with CBS and in football with ESPN, uh, their bigger deals in both sports are with uh, are, are with Fox, uh, both major sports uh, at the college level. So, uh, and uh, of course, the Big Ten network is is, is, is a Fox uh, network. So, um, I think it's a Fox versus ESPN battle. So, how does that impact soccer? Um, I um, I think it's pretty significant because it does mean that Fox 
who we thought was retreating, right, from sports. They uh, they gave up. Uh, they they think they were out of all these soccer club competitions. They gave up the USGA rights uh, uh, in the middle of their contract, and NBC took it back. Uh, they had scaled back production on other things. It's a it's a move by Fox saying, hey, we still have certain priorities. Now the question is, is one of those priorities maintaining international soccer rights? Uh, for summer tournaments, which are kind of in the period where you don't have college sports going on, right? So the mm. World Cup, the Euros, the Copa Americas, the Gold Cup, they, they not only fit a hole in the soccer calendar, they fit a hole in the college sports calendar. And now that Fox is showing once again, okay, we're going to battle ESPN at the college sports level. CBS, NBC, they're kind of out of it. So it's us versus ESPN. ESPN has controlled the sport. There's a lot of people who think ESPN has corrupted the sport. Um, you know, that's a conversation for, for another podcast, for someone else's podcast. Has ESPN corrupted college sports? Has it become too much of an ESPN-driven sport? Uh, college football in particular, college basketball less so. Um, now Fox is, is shooting back. So I think it does have implications for soccer in that Fox may still see um, international competitions. It may not impact what they do with MLS or if they go after any European uh, league rights or Champions League or anything in the future. But I think it, it, it to me, indicates, as you said in uh, relation to Dermot's question, they may still see value in the World Cup. They may still see value in uh, the Euros, which obviously they just recently picked up. They may still see value in Gold Cup and uh, and Copa America because it fits a hole in the uh, in the calendar for college sports. And make no mistake about it, like I said, I haven't been paying too close attention to it, but my interpretation of this is it's a Fox move to build a big tie up to where they can rival ESPN in terms of college sports portfolio. All right, and then the the last segment of listener mailbag, we've got uh, some great feedback about the uh, MLS Apple TV deal. And uh, Nick says, I'm wondering if you guys have any insight into how much the MLS production for Apple might cost. The headline number of $250 million versus the $90 million previously seems a little misleading. Before, they were getting $90 million uh, nationally plus whatever they got, what they were getting from RSN's regional sports networks. Now they're getting $250 million minus uh, production costs and minus the cost of subscriptions for season ticket holders, wondering what the actual apples-to-apples apples comparison is. So, so these, Nick, are all great points. Uh, the $90 million was uh, for Soccer United Marketing, which then they split between uh, U.S. Soccer and uh, MLS. MLS was getting reportedly uh, $60 million a year for their, um, their deal uh, for the United States. It's, it, it is not apples to apples. You're, you're correct because the $250 million they're getting uh, from Apple is really for a distribution deal, and that's a global deal for the next uh, 10 years. And we still don't know how much uh, ESPN and Fox are going to pay and presumably Univision uh, for the rights for the TV side of things. However, the value of those, I would think, would be much less because every single game is available on Apple TV. So why go ahead and pay a lot of money for games that, uh, you mean, are going to be on TV, but then also at the same time, you're going to lose some of that audience who subscribe through Apple TV itself. The production costs... Kartik, we've heard numbers from what, like $30 million to, to, to $60 million in terms of how much it's going to cost MLS to go ahead and set up set up a, a system, set up a studio, go ahead and get the talent that they need. All It's a very costly yeah. um, portion. I mean, that, that's, that's going to be – and I think it's going to be more MLS that's going to be driving that rather than Apple. It's going to be MLS paying more for that more than Apple is. Apple's – all about the distribution, just make these games available. MLS, you take care of everything else. Um, and, 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 it, yeah. and again, I don't, I mean, I know there are people who now seem to have some anti-USL agenda, which is interesting because it's probably the same people who had an anti-MLS, uh, anti-NASL agenda five years ago and liked USL. But um, USL put effort and resources, and they don't have the kind of resources MLS has. They put the effort and the resources into building that infrastructure more than five years ago, Chris, um, to where they can have a package where they have consistency and they have quality control and they're able to distribute it via a streaming platform, in their case, ESPN+. Plus. So um, MLS has to do that now, and it costs tens of millions of dollars to do it. 
yeah, yeah. The uh, the US broadcast, I've seen, uh, USL broadcast, I've seen on ESPN. It reminds me a little bit of uh, the NWSL broadcast on CBS Sports. I mean, it's good quality. Um, I mean, it's it's not like a big, huge studio or anything like that. It's usually kind of a two person team, uh, kind of talking through, giving the, the pre game uh, discussion, etc. But um, yeah, MLS is definitely in a, in a difficult position. I'm sure it, they're counting on the TV side of things, uh, generating a lot of revenue there uh, to push that $250 million number up quite uh, significantly. Um, but yeah, there's going to be some major costs involved for Major League Soccer to pull this off. Next up is Dave. Dave says, consistent windows and whip around shows seem like positives of the MLS uh, Apple TV deal. Uh, the Golasa show enhances my enjoyment of the Europa League and uh, Europa Conference League since I can sample high points of many matches featuring teams I might otherwise not, never see. Uh, it's interesting to, to hear some MLS owners are not thrilled with the Apple deal. Given frothy markets, I thought MLS might get $350 million per year for the US only. On a, te- on, on a per-team basis, the Turkish uh, Super League being sports deal is roughly double the size of the Apple MLS uh, deal, at least for the next two years. Steve says, hello, Chris and Kartik. The Apple TV Plus deal has been dissected a lot on your show and elsewhere. And I'm glad on the last show, Chris directly referenced one of the biggest issues for the end user. Apple products do not play well with others. Roughly a year ago, I tried to purchase ESP, um, <laughs> Apple TV Plus to watch Ted Lasso. What followed was a comedy of errors, starting with required registration for an iTunes account, which I did, but apparently I needed an iPhone or an iPad to activate, neither of which I own. I finally gave up and ended up uh, piggybacking off my parents' account. Earlier this year, I I attempted to watch a free, in quotation marks, Friday night Major League Baseball game on Apple TV Plus and ran into similar issues. There's probably a workaround, but not a simple or intuitive one. It'll be interesting to see how uh, to see if Apple works to make it more compatible for non-Apple product users, or just figures the service is successful enough to keep it as is. Either way, as someone who lives outside of my club's market with no blackout issues and hence currently has no problem watching games on ESPN Plus, I'm dreading the shift. Keep up the great work. Uncle Dishwasher says, just wanted to make a a quick point about the Apple TV uh, MLS deal as it pertains to commentary plans in the production, because I have heard in several places, including this podcast, that there are concerns about local broadcasters essentially being pushed out at the expense of only a team of some commentators for all matches. To my best knowledge, there will be a feature in all matches in which uh, fans will have the option to select home or visiting radio coverage as commentary for every match, possibly in addition to the primary commentators assigned to matches. And actually, let me just chime in there for Uncle Dishwasher. I don't believe that's true. I believe that there will be uh, local commentary available, but it'd be through the uh, MLSsoccer.com website. So you could probably try to sync it up um with the tv or the apple tv that you're watching the game on but i don't believe you, you're going to be able to choose that from within apple tv um when you're watching the games uh let me scroll through here so casually scrolling through a number of threads on twitter uncle dishwasher continues i have seen a, n- a number of people being concerned with who will be the who will be the local broadcasters that are assigned as part of the small team at apple tv to provide national broadcast commentary I've seen many, many postings by fans of different teams that all love their own regional broadcaster. Uh, They think they're they're the best and hope that uh, theirs is selected, just like with me, hoping Joe Totino of the LA Galaxy is selected. However, if Joe is not selected, the Galaxy could still make him the radio stream uh, broadcaster. These dynamics, if true, once again show that Apple and MLS are leaning into providing for an experience tailored towards the fans that they already have, who we have discussed are niche, and may not be trying to create a product to lure in hardcore soccer fans in America that already don't like MLS. Just wanted to make sure these notes about the commentary plans are included because it seems to be an often overlooked point when people are voicing concerns about the Apple deal and the accompanying uh, commentary plans. Thanks again for all of the co- coverage of the sport. 
Yeah, there are lots of questions, lots of concerns, and um, I think I think the other thing, Kartik, uh, before we close, is that also in these broadcasts, when you have these commentators, these are commentators that you're going to be able to hear worldwide. So if you're listening, you mean watching uh, LA Galaxy game against uh, LAFC, uh, those commentators available through Apple TV will be the same commentators in the English language you would hear around the world. Vice versa, same thing with um, uh, other cities and other games too. So you need somebody that is really you mean, top quality that's going to be, if you're listening from Asia or wherever it is in the world, um, that you, you feel that, okay, this is a great commentator. This person's doing a great job at commentating this game. So I think um, that that's key too. You have to think kind of outside of just uh, the United States. You have to think more of a worldly uh, approach there. All right, listeners, uh, thank you so much for your comments, feedback, and observations. You can always reach us every week. Uh, we'd love to read out your, your uh, input and insights and questions and analysis. You can reach us via the web, which is web at worldsoccertalk.com, uh, through Twitter at worldsoccertalk, on Facebook, which is facebook.com slash worldsoccertalk, and, of course, through the website, which is worldsoccertalk.com. Just click on the uh, pod in the, the main navigation bar and then look for the latest episode and then leave your comments in there. And uh, we love to uh, get your insights. So it's a lot of uh, good feedback, Kartik, from around the world uh, this week. Yeah, outstanding. It's great to hear from listeners in the U.K. Uh, because... Uh, it's it's important, I think, for a lot of our U.S. audience to understand how different uh, rights and uh, coverages in the U.K. of U.K.-based products like like the Premier League. Yeah, and going back to Ian's comment too before too, I think Amazon is still much further ahead in the U.K. than in the U.S. So in the U.K., I see them gobbling up as much rights as they possibly can and the deal that they have with bt sports is a good deal i'm sure they'll be able to learn a lot from that in terms of how bt sports uh doing their coverage and i think bt sports needs a lot of help um especially from the viewing numbers which amazon provides uh the us i'm, I'm not so hard on amazon i i think you are kartik but for me I'm, I'm harder on apple tv uh in terms of their plans and uh, their aggressive plans to get uh, a lot of soccer rights on the soccer side for Amazon US, I'm still not sure how aggressive and how focused they are on trying to get um, a large number of soccer rights. I think they're still trying to figure things out. All right, Kartik, heading into another weekend of games from around the world. Uh, what should the listeners do and what are you going to do? Enjoy your football. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.